his dad, from what I've read, what I've heard, was like, we need to have as many kids as we possibly can. The more kids we have, the higher percentage we have of making a special one. And everybody kind of criticized him, but he's Elon Musk's dad. <laughs> you know, hey. like he did it. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. You had this theory. Turns out you were right. Good job. You had you made a special kid. Because you can't say he's not special. What's going on, everybody? This is Jake, the Mississippi Superman Reeves, and this is the Man Up Podcast. Um, and today I've got my boy Alan Belcher back on with me. Alan, the talent Belcher, <clears> right? <throat> uh, you know, it's like third at three episodes yeah. in, a, in, a, in a row, kind of. Like, not in a row. It's broke up between other episodes, but like, yeah. so it's a lot back to back. So it's awesome. Yeah, it's broke Glad up. Glad to have you back on, bro. Yeah. Nice. Thanks for having me. Yeah, got uh, Alan's got a big fight coming up in February. What's the date on that? February twenty fourth. Twenty fourth, New Orleans. Yeah. Y'all make sure that you get that. This be KFC heavyweight title fight. Um, it's gonna be awesome. What's uh? So let me ask you this, and this is not at all what we have planned for this episode. Like, what what's next for Alan after fighting? Like you win the heavyweight title. Let's be honest. You, it, you didn't have anything planned for this episode. I had, I didn't have this plan. Oh yeah, I have one thing. We have one topic <laughs> plan. I, dude, that's most of my episodes, homie. I don't know. I just off the cuff a lot. What's next for me after fighting? Yeah, hmm. like or after you win this title, even like I mean, what? Oh, after I won. Well, but after, I'm more thinking. I mean, you're what? Thirty nine. Thirty eight. Thirty eight. Thought you were I'm seven years there. older than me. Wait, what? What is it? Yeah, I'm gonna be thirty nine this year. Yeah, I mean, close. So what year were you born? 84? 84. Okay. I thought you were born 83. Okay. Hmm. Um, so, again, I got my your birth year wrong. My bad, homie. My bad. My bad. The only reason right. I, thought, I thought that you and Balin were the same age. She was born in 83. Oh, okay. I thought y'all were the same age. But I think that it was just like a birthday lapse. So, you know, you you and my wife, Balin, are really close in age. Right. Um. But yeah, so so do you have anything? You, you, have you thought that through much? Like, what do you want to do? Like, what's the what's yeah. the next step? <clears throat> oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm I'm I try not to over plan, you know, because I mean, I mean, honestly, it, I've never reached a the high goals that I've reached for any type of thing. It's always been pivoting to different things. So I, I think that that's the that's the ultimate journey to where you're just like. You're just kind of flowing like water to the next thing, <clears throat> you know, as long as you're going, you're going in the direction that you want to go in or whatever. So, I mean, uh, but I am, you know, I'm somewhat strategic about it. I'm trying to, to, uh, take the fighting as far as I can go. You know, I came back into fighting because I, I had learned a lot of things about myself, learned, learned, um, you know, just learned so much that I wanted to kind of take back in there. I was like, well, I'm a different person now, so I'm still young enough to do this. I'm going to go and, uh, you know, and do something big with it. You know, my kids were getting older. My kids were like real little whenever I, when I was stopped fighting in the UFC. So they kind of grow in, they grew up new and they knew their dad is like a kind of like a businessman yeah. that used to be a fighter or whatever. So one thing is I wanted to show them how how you can how you can do things you know and i knew that it would it was going to be uh 
um, you know, people would say this or say that or whatever. So I want them to see how I deal with these real. I mean, if you look at if you really look at it, kind of like we were talking about last episode, it's about like putting yourself in a in a pressure situation. Yeah, I want you know what I mean. Like what I was doing before was just not was just not it. It's like do something. All right, everybody knows that you can you can do this. Like do something that's going to be. You're going to have some people root against you. You're going to have some, you know, you're going to have some self-doubt. You're going to have some fear, you know, and see if you can see if you can push through that. Go to the next level <clears throat> to level up. You have to you have to walk in the face of fear, you know, and you have to um, you have to do something hard. You need you need problems to solve, you know. So, um, yeah, man, I just. You know, after this belt, to me, this is the this is kind of like the beginning of the chapter in a way. Is um, winning this heavyweight title, be my first world championship. So then, the 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 the, the final chapter of my of the fighting career starts and it begins. And then it's a great place to start too. It's so it's like you know heavyweight world champion bare knuckle. Now let's. Who 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 can I defend that against, or what is another belt that I can go after in another discipline, yeah, or whatever? So how, how long do you plan on? <clears throat> how you plan on fighting then? Um, I I think Most I'll know. Would say that typically guys your age, you're looking at the last five years of your career, or whatever. Right. You know. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not looking past five years. Yeah. Definitely. I'm. I'm I actually. I'm I'm blessed to have grown enough to look further than just a few months down the road. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, um, like before I, I was looking very very short term. You know, so now I'm able to see see a couple years in the future, and I'm also able to like logically understand that there five years, ten years, twenty years is coming. Yeah. So there there's some things you can do now that that's a great idea. You know, but as far as fighting goes, no, I'm definitely not looking at at past five years, <clears throat> I think that I can't waste any time, so I got to move, move pretty quickly. Yeah, but with patience, if that makes sense. One hundred percent. You know, <laughs> what did, you talk about. I like I like talking to you about mindset around fighting. Mm -hmm. I like I like your take on it because it's a it's a mindset such a big deal for most people. What are you doing differently now from when you were in the UFC? From when you you know the the Allen Belcher that fought Michael Bisbing to the Allen Belcher that fought Frank Tate. Like, what's the difference in the mindset, you know, going into those fights or go or just in general? Not mm -hmm. necessarily going into the fight, but just what did you change more specifically? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah, so the the biggest – I try to explain this is, is making making changes. So um, one big thing that is that is that I'm doing – differently is I'm I'm being mindful of of uh of where I am you know I'm, I'm being mindful of of my thoughts you know inside <clears throat> and outside of training you know and and I'm thinking and mindfulness as an athlete is a lot to me about about practicing mindfulness now and That's being, your title for this episode, by the way, Bo. Mindfulness for an athlete. Go ahead. 
mindfulness. Okay. <laughs> it just seems like a good title, bro. It's anyway, great, you it's a great, uh, great title. <laughs> yeah, some people don't hear. I like this subject because you don't really think of mindfulness and athletes together, but that's what sports psychology is. Yeah. If you if you research sports psychology, you're going you're going to learn you're going to realize very quickly that all it is is mindfulness practices. So it's just not that sexy mindfulness, I guess. We've come up with another. Come, it's, it another comes word. off when you say sports psychology, it sounds clinical. When you say mindfulness, it sounds hokey, like people like when you're selling it. Mm-hmm. So you say sports mindfulness versus sports psychology. One sounds like a science. One sounds like something that somebody that's about to try to like sell you some sage is telling you about. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think it's just the perception of it. But it's the same thing, really. Well, I mean, sports psychology, I guess you would say that's a study of the psyche of athletes or whatever. Right. And so mindfulness is a is kind of a, a skill. You know, it's a skill. It's the, the ability. It's ability to observe your yourself, observe your emotions, observe your body, observe your reactions, observe your thoughts. And... Um, um, instead of just being in, just being a subject <clears throat> or just being a victim to your subconscious, like most people are. Right. You know, or like most of us are, I'll say that. Like most of us have been or whatever. And, you know, to grow or to ascend is to come up out of that and start to, and start to recognize your thoughts, you know, start to recognize, you know, that, that, um, th- th- those aren't really yours. So that's, uh, and now we might have talked about this last time, but it, maybe that'll help hammer it home. Is like you asked me what I'm doing differently now in fighting, and it is in. in I think that you need to understand which. I'll make the point. So um, it may sound like I'm bragging on myself or whatever, but I'll just I'll just say um, I'll just, the point I'm trying to make is that I'm where I am right now is better than I where it was before. And that's what you were trying to say, right? Yeah. So what is, why is that? It's, um, or why is it better? So the way that I'm, the way that I am able to, one, I, I, when I finish with a fight, I'm not, I don't fall off track. Okay. I fought eight times um, over the course of a year. So I've been on, I've been doing, I've been almost at it for about two years since I came back and started training. It took almost a year to get the first fight or whatever, but then, uh, within a year period of time, I fought eight times, right? The first one was a decision. Seven following were all KOs. Um, it, after the fight, I don't fall off my diet and fall off my routines and and lose my mind and start to you know let any time waste or whatever and part of this part of this mindfulness is is comes from like you start to run out of time that's because when when people you're that's why when people are getting older when we get older we we tend to kind of grow and become more mindful a lot of times right is because you're like we're running out of time right so i don't have tons of time so um, whenever i come out of the fight i don't I don't waste any time. I continue being consistent, right, every single day um, leading up to the fight. Um, the week of the fight, I uh, am I'm mindful of the fight as opposed to before I, w- I would be um, 
kind of like trying to distract myself. And you'll oh, see, okay. you kind of, te- you know, you kind of um, do that subconsciously and you don't watch the videos of your opponent. So I will be, you know, oh, seven days leading up to the fight watching videos of my opponent every single day. And that's something that before I thought was a choice of a fighter. I like to do that. I don't like to do that, that type of thing. If you look at it deeply, you'll see that um, it's a it's you're just you're running from the anxiety or something like that. You are, um, and then you know being able to sleep the night before the fight. I sleep great before the night of the fight. I have fun. I'm, I'm you know um, when I'm walking into the fight, <clears throat> I understand now more what what it means to have confidence and what it means to you know, be mindful and all these types of things. So I'm able to go into there and feeling great and taking in all the lights and everything and being blessed. And I'm like, man, man, I'm so blessed to be in this position. And it feels great at that moment. Take it in as opposed to when most people that hits them. Why do I do this? Why am I doing that? I'm doing it again. You know, I've had those things. So when before I would have, so just take away the, the knockouts and whatnot. It's, this is the, what I'm most proud of myself for in, in finding this out. And now maybe we'll get to this later, but like passing this down to your children, you know, teaching my son and teaching my daughter this is going to be huge. So I, I had to kind of go through it myself. This is just – this is my journey. This is my, my thing that I'm doing. So I'm having more fun doing this. I'm getting better results doing it. Right, I'm knocking people out. Uh, my lifestyle is better. Right, there's just way less negative. So, the that's compared to like before when you said what do you that then versus now. Now is I'm getting better results now. Right. Yeah. Getting better results. So well, now for sure. Yeah. Yeah. One hundred percent. So that, I just wanted to like make that point is like the results are night and day differently. Because even if you saw me do well in, back in the day and win some fights or whatever, my day-to-day life was not as good. I was yeah. lots of ups and downs, lots of depression, lots of anxiety, lots of just just garbage. <clears throat> so to me, that's, what, that's the results that I'm getting. I'm able to do this and have fun doing it. I'm able to do it without getting hit, without, you know, I got hit a little bit in my first fight or what, but besides that, I haven't got hurt. I haven't. You know, I haven't really risked my 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 brain injuries or whatever. You know, I've I've been doing this for a long time. I've been getting hit in the head since about eight years old doing Taekwondo. Not full contact, but yeah. it, it's you get hit full contact. You know, so yeah. um, you know I've been doing it for a while. So I didn't want to risk my my brain or whatever. So I don't I don't get hit as much. I don't get hit hardly at all in the fight. And I'm, I'm trying to knock people out. Um, I know that I've always known that I have greatness inside of me. And you that are watching this right now, too, and you too, Jake, like you have, you have that inside of you, bro. You know what I mean? You're, so you think everybody has greatness in them? I think that, that there, it's a spectrum like anything else, right? You can only do so much, but you have something probably a lot more great than, than what you're thinking about. So you have to... You have to find a way to manifest that, and and it's not just an idea; it's it's in there. So it's really, uh, you know, when you start doing these things, you start to be more mindful. You're getting, you're able to get a lot closer to that, right? You, 
instead of putting a ceiling on yourself, you can start to whatever. Um, so the different the difference that I'm doing right now is uh, if I had to wrap it up, it's like mindfulness. Mindfulness, yeah, at, yeah is is very important. And and uh, you know, one example I used was going and and you know watching the videos of your opponent. You know, you're you're you, you're thinking about what you're. It, you know, you're going to be in there fighting in the ring or the cage coming up, mm-hmm. right, very soon. So you need to put yourself into that position. That's mindfulness because what would normally happen is you don't really want to think about it. So there's a there's a kind of a blocker that kind of blocks that out, and you don't get the chance to do it. Because you'll get in there. If you've been in a fight, there's a feeling. And fighters that you guys have been, you know, had multiple fights, you would know this. All right, I would say three or more fights. You get in there, and then right when you start to fight the person, then is the moment that you realize that you forgot to prepare for. Yeah. And you're like, wow, I really forgot that it felt like this. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You it's know, surreal. Yeah, it's, it's a yeah, weird, exact, surreal experience. Exactly, and that's how a lot of people explain it or whatever. Yeah. The surreal experience is, is uh, this is this is a theory, too, and – you know, I'm not, I'm not like a scientist or anything, but like I put a lot of thought into this. You're, You're a philosopher. I, I guess so. Yeah. I guess so. So this is my philosophy on that. Well, it's not really philosophy. I think it's more something else. Um, your, it's the, I guess it is a psychological philosophy. Yeah. Right. So what's happening there is you subconsciously block out that anything that's going to make you have that fear, right? Because your 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 brain—that's how your brain works. It it, may, it creates it creates roads around things, right? To connect over here or whatever, right? So it, your brain—if you're letting your brain act on its own—it's not going to go through the hard thing. It's going to go around the hard thing and get over here to the pleasure thing. Okay, you see what I'm saying? <laughs> Homophobic. Hard and pleasure. <laughs> oh, bro. <coughs> Grow up, Jake. So, I, I can't. I got a podcast. Uh, we'll say the difficult thing. Yeah. All right. So no, keep saying the hard thing. All right. <laughs> so it goes around the hard thing and it goes to uh, it goes the straight. Thing. No, not the pleasurable. It, it goes to the reward or whatever. Okay. So oh, you just really want to change it from pleasurable. Okay. Yeah. 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 Like if you, when you think about. Um, Ed Maletta said this before, like when you talk about imagine winning, and he's talking about it in a different context, but imagine winning the game-winning home run. A lot of times you don't really even imagine anything up to that moment. You imagine you hit the home run, and now you're running around the base celebrating. Mm-hmm. You're trying to skip to the reward. You're imagining the reward. Ooh, that's a great point. But you're not really right. thinking about the preparation, the get day of, the game, like walk out, all that stuff. Right, 100%. Yes, yeah. yes, that, that's, that's exactly, that's exactly. So, yeah, maybe you, you can practice, you think you're practicing this mindfulness or whatever, but you're, you're like, imagining the wrong thing. Yeah. But that's exactly where, that's, that's where I think that, that these guys should focus coming up if you want to, uh, well, that's where I've had success. I wouldn't say that's how, what you should focus on, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that I was, I was behaving like a lot of young fighters that I see now where they're not they're they're not taking their practices seriously. Yeah. You know, they come in and it is a social there is a social atmosphere. There's certain 
there's a certain amount of you know you need to you need to feel good and have some friendships there yeah you know but at the same time it is work so when i come in like i'm i'm i get to business i start to work in my i start to work on my mind right especially on a, a night for sparring a, a sparring night is a great time to work on this you come in and you start to go through your pre-fight fight routine right and you got your music and you got your meditation you have whatever type of stretches and warm-ups and whatnot you do whatever gets your reaction ready whatever kind of gets you in that flow state whatever gets your eyeballs ready all these types of things and you're thinking you're starting to imagine going through this warm-up and you're starting to feel this you this is like creating an emotional state right because if you don't create the emotional state one will be given to you you see what i'm saying yeah so you would you need to create the emotional state instead of being um uh, at the mercy of whatever whatever happens it's probably not going to be that good because like i'm saying you've been ignoring all this stuff and then all of a sudden that fear hits you and now it's the emotion of fear it's the emotion of fear and it's so strong you can't get rid of it and you've probably been in a position like this before i've have too i had it it, yes i've I've been there several times in different fighting and where you you get into this emotional state and you know the the kind of like the mindful talk to get yourself out of it oh this is just it's just emotion it's just happening whatever you're trying you just can't get yourself out of it yeah it's so strong it's so strong so fighting is like that if you're not prepared for it you're going to get hit like that yeah so you have to you have to start being mindful of the emotional state that you're going to create going into the fight right whatever what it's going to feel like when you go out there what it feels like going standing across from that person all those types of things right and then you you create the emotional state that you want to be in right if you want to if there's a certain feeling that you get whenever you're 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 sparring and you're doing really well and you really feel in the flow hang on to that feeling you need to go you need to like take a snapshot of that as a feeling yeah, not a picture a snapshot of a feeling yeah right and then you 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 want to figure I know exactly out. the feeling you're talking about too like mm-hmm. that flow state when everything's landing and nobody yes. can hit you yeah i know what you're talking about yes i just don't know how to do it i just right. don't know i don't know what the steps are that's been a big deal and from a coaching standpoint too like how do you coach this into your guys? Like how could you mass produce this? It just it's all, it seems like it'd be really hard. It's almost like a personal journey, which it is. It is, yeah, yeah. I think you got to coach coach them how to kind of go on the personal journey because it's it's not going to happen unless they get on the same page. But you you can you can coach it. Like if you if you had a a room full full of me, we would all understand it, right? And you could you see what I'm saying? It's right. it's a perception. It's a paradigm shift. So. You want to just, um, you know, kind of coach people, coach them into it. Um, or, you know, otherwise you're at the mercy of just finding someone that's really, really, really talented that just has, like, the natural ability or whatever. Right, but right. there's probably going to be a – there's going to be a ceiling with that person. Yeah. There's going to be a ceiling with that person. You get, They're going to have to do something. They may be good. They may even be great, but they're not going to be elite and epic, yeah. you know. And, and that's something I've noticed as a coach is – we talked about on the last episode, a lot of guys' ceilings are 100%. That's the dictator of it. The dictator of your ceiling is, like, emotionally. It's a lot more emotional than it is physical. It's a lot more like – because most people just quit. 
they right. fight for a little bit and they they lose one time and they quit or they <coughs> they you know they they get it in their head that they're not good enough because they didn't perform well enough in this one area that was my thing you know a lot I think a lot of fighters do that they you know you you kind of get to this ceiling where your your body can't take you any further but you're just it's just about now how well do you handle the anxiety right how well can you can you be calm under pressure and can you handle the anxiety but there's not a lot of tools to prepare you for that anxiety. There's not a lot of mm. training. You go to the gym and you jump rope and you hit mitts and you spar or you roll or whatever. But there's not a lot of real research or knowledge. And so it's cool that, you know, you were able to kind of, I mean, there's some, but but you were kind of able to do this for yourself, you know. Mm. It's just tough. It's tough to do because I've tried. I've, I've, I've worked on it myself. And. It's, it's hard. It's something you have to be very conscious of. I think the reason it works is because you keep doing it. You can't just do it during fight camp. Mm-hmm. I think that's what you were saying. You do it all the time. Right. I think that's the difference. Like, you're not practicing it enough Yeah. if you're only doing it in camp. Yeah, and, and, and there's something to be said, too, about just practicing it in your everyday life is a consistent practice for everything. You know, I've, like, that's another thing that I've really I've done is, like, I've – I've tried to figure out how everything in my life fits into me going up and maximizing this end of my career, you know, because I'm trying to hit a home run. I'm trying to go, I'm trying to go all the way. So, um, how is everything like maximizing my mindset and whatnot? So it's like every, you know, practicing this mindfulness all day long with anything that might throw off your mood or get you anxiety trigger you or whatever and like when you get triggered by stuff it's like you know as men we don't want to admit it but when you're triggered by something it's something that you need to work on and need to heal of yourself you know it goes deeper than that and you can heal that and um you know and, and dealing dealing with the anxiety is one thing but if you um anxiety Anxious is like an emotional state, right? So that's what I was saying. Like you, you're going to be handed some anxiety if you don't give yourself the um, the emotion of confidence and the emotion of um, you know whatever 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 it is. The emotion I can't think of right now, but yeah. that the feeling, the feeling and the emotion that you're that you want to get in that state, that state of flow. That state of like I can't, I can't miss, and I can't be hit, you know that type of thing. You got to get yourself into that state, otherwise, then you get hit by anxiety. But yeah, it's it's whenever you don't want to wait until you're fighting, and then you try to deal with it like that. Yeah. It's like an everyday thing, or you're practicing to boom, 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 and then you do it. every fight I had in the UFC. Looking back at it, you know, with like kind of the new knowledge and wisdom that I have now, I guess. And I look back at uh, my UFC fights, the ones that I did the best in were the ones that I constantly thought about every day, every day, every day, every day, every day. And then in the fight, boom. I'll, two top performances probably stand out in my head that were like that. It was my first, I think it was my first fight after going to train with Duke Rufus. It was early in my career, and I fought, fought Caleb Starnes. And... um at the time, me and Duke were obsessed with getting, like, bringing standing elbows, clinching, standing at knees and elbows, the clinch work into MMA, right? Because at, at the time, it was kind of like a, 
pump, I mean, I think it's still something that can be really beneficial now yeah. because there's a separation. There's a, there's a lot of range and a lot of gap, and the guys kind of have their hands down, and they're kind of in this way, right? So closing the gap, you're seeing fighters start to be tighter where in a space where they can hit, get closer, boxing, and then also clinching, you know? <clears throat> and as, you know, takedown defense had to get better, Whatever. But that was kind of the idea is like if takedown defense gets really good, then you can clinch the person. Yeah. And if you take them into a clinch, you, you can take them into a place that they don't really know anything about, but you're practicing it every day. So into the clinch or even just off of your entry, you know, like say one, two, step in with the elbow, one, step in with the elbow, that type of thing, you know, where you're, you're getting close with that. We were obsessed with that. And I worked on the the uh, the water bag every single day. Certain a certain flow of combos that just became not a combo, but just a reaction. Bing, bang, boom, bop, 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 boom, knee, bam, set it down, elbow, that type of thing. And working that every day, and then I took that into the fight. I I think that was the first fight when I fought Caleb Starnes, and I got and 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 I had a lot more than any of my other fights because I was practicing that every day. Whatever you practice every day, and you think about it. Not only practice it, everybody, but you're intentionally saying, I'm practicing that this is what I'm going to do in the fight. This is what I'm going to do in the fight. I'm going to imagine I'm in the fight. Bam, and I'm going to do it. I'm going to, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you have to really, you have to really be mindful of that. You go in the fight, ex exactly the same stuff, the same stuff, just like, boom, just like practice. And the other one is the Polyaris fight where, it was literally very – I was thinking about it every day because I'm like, I don't want to get hurt, so there's a fear of injury, right? And I also just – there was a lot of there was a lot of people looking at it. I was like, this one's going to be a big one. This is on Fox. It was the first live fight on Fox, you know, mm. like a free type of thing. It had millions of people watching. I don't remember how many, but a lot. And so there was that. Um, some of my friends, Daniel and Diego Marias and Davi Hamos, they came up from Brazil just to train with me. I had Eddie Bravo out, Dean Lister out. And I'm like, man, I flew all these guys in. I spent a lot of money on this camp. We we're doing all this. I'm thinking about it all the time. I have to win this fight. So when you really, 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 really want to win really bad and you're thinking about it all the time, you'll find, you'll find a way to be mindful, you know, and sometimes people think that like thinking about thinking about the fight too much is a bad thing. Yeah. But if you really, really, really want it bad, you'll find a way to do what you need to do to win uh, to win the fight. So we were practicing certain things every single day, and then it shows up in the fight. Yeah. Even to a point where like there was like there was no way that it wasn't going to go there. Like I attracted that. In the fight when we went on the ground and people were like you went on the ground with him in his own world and why you know that type of thing I'm like that wasn't exactly the plan if i could have like you know push his head down and just knocked him out that would have been great or keep yeah. it standing that would be a much better plan but i manifested it by thinking but practicing every single day on the ground defending the leg locks in case it happened but what you're practicing in case it happened is what you're practicing and what you're thinking about so you'll manifest that in the in the fight. So you think if you hadn't done that, he wouldn't have been able to take you down maybe? Just curious. Possible. Like you think that you think that you training on, on down like that, that just like is this what you're saying? If I would have put more focus into him not taking, taking me down. down and been like, well, yeah, if you if you get to the ground, you're dead. Yeah. 
then, then, then I could, then I've, he probably wouldn't have taken me down. Yeah. But it was, you know, there's, you think, a, there's a small chance, but if he would have, he would have, he would have hurt me. He would have broke my leg and I would have lost. I would yeah. have tapped me out or something. Right. So I took that risk, uh, or like the risk of him maybe getting me down or whatever and went all in on not going to beat me that way. Yeah. He's not going to beat me that way. And that's what you're practicing all the Almost time. Almost called a twister, bro. Wouldn't that, that would have been the first twister in UFC history, right? I don't think Bryce Mitchell, I think, was the first. No, he came that way after uh, you. The, the, the Japanese guy. It wasn't in the UFC, was it? Oh, was that was in the UFC? I don't know. Hold on. I can look this up real quick. First twister. That would have been sick, though. I think you're right. Maybe his was outside of the UFC. Let's see. First twister. I love Bryce Mitchell, by the way. Yeah. Shout he's, a lot of, <laughs> he's a lot of fun to watch. Shout out Bryce Mitchell. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's cool. To. He's funny. He's a good rapper. Yeah. He has a dark and soul, baby. <laughs> dark and soul. That album. It was the it was the Korean zombie. First right. Korean zombie was the first person to get it in the UFC. Korean zombie. Korean zombie. I said Japanese. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, March 2011 against Leonard Garcia, UFC Fight Night 24. Korean zombie. Um. What do you think? And this is just something I thought about while you were talking. You always hear people, and I'm just taking this outside of fighting and applying it to life a little bit. <clears throat> Do you think that's one of the reasons why people, when they reach goals or they get certain places, they always say it doesn't feel the way I thought it would because they never spent any time thinking about how it would feel? Like, And every time they do think about it, they're just like, like they're, they don't spend time thinking about it. They just spend time about thinking about what they want. You think that? I think no. that has something to do with it. Okay. Yeah, it has a little bit to do with it. I think of I kind of think of that as um you you think you're going to be fulfilled. Yeah. You think you're going to be you're going to be happy and you're going to be fulfilled. Yeah. And that isn't what it feels like. Right. You still don't feel fulfilled because you're you know, you might for a very brief time right. or something, but you're you still like what we were talking about last time, you want to go up. Right. You want to you want to do more. You know, so then you, you realize that the goal isn't the mission; it's the the, the climb up. It's what, the journey. What What do you think? What responsibility do we have to teach this kind of stuff, like to our children? Mm-hmm. Like, I think that that's a big thing because as humans, we're very communal. We're very like what makes human humanity so great isn't that we're so smart; it's the fact that we figure out how to build on top of each other, right? You figure something out, then I can learn from you, and then I can go and make it better. Right. I can, you know, um, but I feel like, and I'm kind of segue, this is kind of a shoehorned segue, Mm -hmm. but I do feel like a lot of those things that I think kids really need to learn, they're not being taught because parents aren't teaching it or don't know it. Mm -hmm. And then they spend all day learning things. Like, we were having a conversation about school recently, and I'm very, I have a very, like, strange relationship with my opinion of school. Like, I, I think education is right. the most important thing on this planet. I just think that the education most kids are getting. You were homeschooled, school. right? I was homeschooled, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that the education they're getting isn't, like, preparing them the best way that it could for the future that they have in mind. I think we kind of have this cookie cutter. I wasn't homeschooled my entire life. I went, I went to public school for my early elementary years. I homeschooled through my later elementary years. I went to a private school for uh, junior high and high school, so I'm in two different private schools. Okay, I moved around, but you were homeschooled some here and there. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I think back to I don't trust the government. I don't trust that they're I, I look at what schools are teaching, not just public schools, private schools too, even though my kids go to private school. My my boys go to private school. Um Maddie doesn't. She I let her pick if she wanted to stay in public school or not after me and her mom got married. But uh the boys go to private school and the thing about we got kids coming in. The thing about private school is it's still the same programming as public school a lot of time. Yeah. Like the programming doesn't change. It's still responding to bells, following uh, direction, just teaching kids to follow direction and be able to show up and do a thing, you know, and 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 be good workers, be good worker bees, which I think we got to have worker bees. So I'm not yeah. saying that it's not necessary, but I think that I look at what they're teaching our kids and I'm just like, man, that's kind of a mostly bullshit. Like mm -hmm. there's just way more important things for them to be learning. Right. Especially after like fifth or sixth grade. Right. What, what's your opinion on that? Um, I mean, I do agree. I do agree that there's, there's, there's more, there's more that they need to learn for sure. 100%. I think that there's no reason for them to learn a lot of those things, depending on, there's no reason for them to yeah. be forced to go to school to learn those things. Like if they have a proclivity for science, they right. want to go to for school for science and they want to go take higher sciences and, and beyond just like really basic biology yeah. and things. I think, I think that that's good. Mm -hmm. I think forcing kids to go sit in a room and learn about things they don't give a shit about is a stupid way to learn. And right. people just aren't going to, I think, I think teach them basic math. You need to know how to add, subtract, read and write. I think you need to know mm -hmm. like basic history and, English and then let them join an apprentice. Most people, an apprenticeship program, let them go to yeah. go go produce in some way. And then the ones who want to be doctors, they can they can continue and learn more and go get their doctorates. And the ones that want to be professors, and the ones that want to, but we we now have it so ingrained in our society that you can't be successful without twenty two years of school. Yeah. Not really until you go to school till you're twenty two or twenty three, and it's just not really the case. And I don't feel that. I feel like a lot of it now is more just hardwiring of, of belief systems, yeah. negative belief systems, you know, more than it is in education. So I just kind of have a really, but I'm not going to homeschool my kids. Like I don't believe it hard enough to actually do something yeah. about it. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not, and I don't think that I should, I don't know that my kids are going to be better off being homeschooled by yeah. me. I think, I think the amount of me they're getting is probably about right. You know, yeah. Yeah, mean, I've had that. I've had those thoughts. And I think that, you know, it balances out to where the, what they, what they could get in homeschool, you know, but also the negative of like, I don't think that I would do that great of a job or like, you know, you'd have to get someone else to help or something. I'm not really sure yeah. about that, but I, I will say this, like, I do feel like I do homeschool my kids. Like I am, uh, and I didn't used to do this when they were younger. But now as they're, as they're getting older, I'm starting to realize now, even just from my own, from my own life, I've, I've realized that I'm a, a product of my raising. I'm a product of my environment that I came up in and I've had to undo a lot of that stuff and I've had to learn different ways. And, um, you know, so then it, it, the more you understand that and see that, the more it scares you about your kids. So, um, I definitely have a certain you know, a certain set of values that I'm trying to get them to learn and also just ways to deal with and regulate their, regulate their own emotions. Yeah. 
you know, and start to, um, um, even from a, a young age, while their ego isn't so set in stone, start to show them how it's being formed in a way and start to point out behaviors without hating on people. Yeah. You know, that's a, that's a big one for me is I don't, I don't like, like, I mean, I'll hate on people a lot, but I, I catch myself and I yeah. do it in my head and I don't say it or, you know, I'll say it or whatever and I don't like or whatever, but like, you know, I'm not, I also have to be that, that mindful leader of my home. So whenever, whoever it is around is saying something negative about someone else, I have to, I have to shut it down pretty quick. And I think that that's going to pay off over time, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think a lot of people don't know a lot of those things. And even just like, like even if you were to take it a step further, just or a step further back, really, because you're talking about like really big picture stuff. Yeah. Even on the more micro level of like the things you're teaching them aren't going to affect their life. The things you're teaching them, they're not going to remember. And the the flip side of it is this. I, I think that I don't think that homeschooling is necessarily the right answer either. Because socialization is super important right. in children. That's what I was saying about balancing out is like that that what they do get from it, the socialization, you know, and also my kids aren't the type and <clears throat> that are and I'm just blessed for this. They're they they haven't been put into a box and like they're not the they're not the smart kid or they're not this or whatever, yeah. you know. So they're dumb jock or those yeah. Yeah, exactly. And 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 especially outside but like what you said about like teaching them to have jobs or whatever sometimes where if like I like me growing up I wasn't able to follow the directions and I wasn't able to sit still I wasn't able to make make the grades on the stuff I had too much ADD I had to you know I had all the I couldn't I could I wasn't a good employee yeah basically I wasn't a good employee so I got labeled I, I got put into a box of like these kids are not the good employees so they're stupid or whatever you know what i mean um it's good so you you know what i'm saying i like that so like um luckily my my kids haven't done they've done pretty they've done pretty good with their grades and whatnot but i think in this extra this extra schooling and stuff i've let my my kids experience the socialization and the i'm trying to think of more benefits of the the school but i mean they do socialization's a big benefit here's what here here's what here uh, this is why i focus on the way that i if i was homeschooling i would have to figure out more of uh you know more more subjects and things to to talk about or whatever that's why i'm i don't like what they exactly they teach in school yeah right and i would like to find more ways to expose my kids to more subject. Like my daughter is about to be 13 and she's starting to show an interest in psychology. I'm like, okay, all right. You kind of, you know, that's cool. It seems like, okay, you got my brain. Like you, you kind of starting to think like me, that's cool. So now I'm trying to figure out more ways to expose her to that a little bit more, but mainly on the level of, on the level of their, their habits and their, their ego and spirituality and these types of things. I feel like you bring that, you, you do a good job w- with that, which you can at home. And um, there's, here's the thing about the school and learning how to be an employee and learning how to fit in and all those types of things. Those are skills that you need. But if you let those be who you are and let that guide your life, then you're going to be at the mercy of the system and how you fit into that system. 
So what you can do instead, and I, and I think this is really good, and I didn't learn this until I was out of school, I had to learn, learn, you know, how, what it was like, how to properly be professional, right? Yeah. You know, like, uh, you kind of know my story about getting into business or whatever. It's like a lot of, a lot of guys like us are, are like that. Maybe we're like an athlete and whatever. And then we realize later to keep going up, it's about making money and doing the business thing. So then you have to go back and you have to learn how to how to be professional and talk to people and how to write and how to do all these things you start learning a lot of skills that maybe you missed out with before or whatever and that's important to you know to be able to to fit in in a way right so like you can you don't have to you don't have to always show all your cards and show that you're you're totally different than than everybody else or yeah. whatever sometimes you can play the game and, and do what you need to do. You don't always have to speak up and say, oh, well, I, you know, we're just teaching you how to be an employee and this and that, you know what I mean? Nine to five job thing. Well, I think, I think as a parent, though, you have a responsibility to understand it. That Like the school's job is not to make your child a success. Um, what I, here's, here's the things I resent a little bit about school. Number one is homework. Yeah. I don't like that. You had them for seven hours. I have things to teach them too. My things, in my opinion, are more important than your things. So, like, when I've got them, I don't want to be helping them with your stuff. Right. I want to help them with my stuff, the things I'm good at. Like, there's no reason for me to be helping them with higher math. I don't know it. I don't, I failed algebra, you know, like, I don't, it's just not my thing. Um, I didn't understand it really. But, because uh, I was the same thing. I was the ADHD kid. I was the bad student, DF students, most of the, most of my, you know, life growing up uh usually pulled it out by studying really hard and acing an exam or mm -hmm. you know i'd always get by by the skin of my teeth every year never never really failed but just got by by the skin of my teeth every year and the homework was one thing the other thing is like the fact that you're telling me as a parent i have to send my kids to you to do this so it's like you're i, I feel like what you're doing is not the most efficient way to do it and you have laws in place even though i'm the parent saying I must comply with that. And I just, it's hard for me to, it's just hard for me to swallow a little bit. And it's probably, it's a pride thing a little thing, bit, but it's also, a, I believe that I know what's better for my children than you do. Um, and you're not allowing me, speaking of which, I think this is one of my coming in right here. You're not allowing me to do that. Right. So that's sort of the, that's the reason why it's such a hot topic for me is I don't, as a parent, like I want the best for my kids. I want the be I want my sons and my daughter to grow up and have the best life they possibly can. And I don't feel that the current system, especially because it, my schedule is the opposite of theirs, so I don't see my kids a lot. So the time I do have with them, I really want to make sure that I'm I'm helping them and teaching them the right things, and we're not having to worry about the, the other stuff. But it, that's that's my big issue with it. That's the reason why I kind of. Like I said, I don't think necessarily that mm -hmm. um, there's a right answer. I just, I, it makes me want to do more. If that makes sense, it makes me want to makes me want to figure out a better system, even though I don't know that there is one. I do think that the like the Scandinavian, the Dutch system of education is pretty good, mm -hmm. where the kids are outside a lot of the day. They're very little. They're not in the classroom as much because kids. I mean, it's been proven time and time again. That's like one of the worst ways to make a child learn is to stick them in a classroom and listen to a teacher. I couldn't do it now. 
like when I would go to mastermind events with, that you guys have had, uh, dude, by the end of the last day, like I, mm-hmm. I'm done. I yeah. can't listen to anything else. I can't sit there still. Like I'm up stretching and like taking like 20 pee breaks and I just can't. There, if you, not that I can't, but it's very difficult for me to focus on something in that manner. And I don't know. You're selling me a shit product and then telling me I have to buy it. And that's mm-hmm. my, that's my. Yeah, I agree. The question becomes, what did, what do we, what do we do about it? Yeah. And unless you fix the whole system. Yeah. And what, neither one of us are in a position to do that. So, you know, I think, and honestly, I think this is part of the, something in us wants to get to that level. I think that's what we're all trying to do is like get to a level where we have enough leverage to have real control over our li- our lives. Mm-hmm. That's my motivation. More than like a, having money and a luxurious a luxurious lifestyle, I just don't want to have to live on anybody else's terms. I want to be able to do just I want to live on my terms, doing what I want to do, like lifestyle Elon Musk. I want to lo- li- live. Like it, Elon Musk, he's got his school he's got his own school for his kids. Oh, really? Yeah. He's got like Yeah, that's eight another of them. level. He got like eight of those little kids. You know, his dad Bro, it's, it's kind of undeniable. His dad, from what I've read, what I've heard, was like, we need to have as many kids as we possibly can. Uh, the more kids we have, the higher percentage we have of making a special one, right? And everybody kind of criticized him, but he's Elon Musk's dad. <laughs> <laughs> you know, hey. like he did it. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> you you played the lottery. Like you, you, you had this theory. Turns out you were right. Good job. You had you made a special kid because you can't say he's not special. He's that, there's something special about the guy. Yeah. So anyway, let's wrap it up right there. It's been an awesome episode, man. <laughs> I've enjoyed this talk. Uh, let's get out of here. I'll see you guys on the next episode. Make sure that you guys go and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Also, go like us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram at the Mississippi Superman Show. Uh, this has been the Man Up Podcast. You can check check us out on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your yeah. podcast. You got anything for you, Leaf? No. Nope. Thank you. All right. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Appreciate you. Awesome. Peace.